Picture this. Subcontractors charging a mind-boggling $100 to wash a mere 15-pound bag of laundry in the heart of Iraq. Yes, you heard that right, $100. It's just one of the many eyebrow-raising expenses that came to light during the Halliburton scandal. But that's not all. In October 2004, a Pentagon audit of the Restore Iraqi Oil RIO contract sent shockwaves through the procurement world. Out of a staggering $875 million in invoice charges examined, a whopping $108 million was deemed questionable or unreasonable. It was as if the rules of logic had been thrown out the window. One glaring example of this financial absurdity was Halliburton's claim that they spent $27 million to ship liquefied gas to Iraq. The catch? They had purchased the same gas in Kuwait for a mere $82,000. Yes, you heard that right, $27 million versus $82,000, a fee the audit called illogical. Now fast forward to a year later, and the scandal took a criminal turn. A federal grand jury in Illinois filed the first criminal charges related to Halliburton's work in Iraq. Jeff Alex Mazan, a former Halliburton procurement manager with seven years of service, found himself in hot water. He stood accused of taking a jaw-dropping $1 million kickback for awarding an inflated government subcontract to a Kuwaiti firm. The numbers are staggering, the deceit is mind-boggling, and the consequences are far-reaching. You won't want to miss a minute of it. From SRM Plus, this is Nichols and Crimes. While Halliburton defended its actions, stating it provided vital services for the Iraqi people at a fair and reasonable cost, the numbers told a different story. The managing partner of this Kuwaiti company, a significant subcontractor for KBR, was also indicted. Halliburton's top brass were quick to point out that their internal audit had identified the issue, leading to the firing of two employees and a restitution of $6 million to the government. They argued, that the initial hiccups in Iraq had been addressed and that the Pentagon audits were a standard part of their dealings with the government. CEO Lassar urged patience, stating, People need to wait until that process is completed before they make a judgment as to our performance in Iraq. But with mounting evidence and growing scrutiny, many were left wondering just how deep the rabbit hole went. As the drums of war beater in the lead-up to President George W. Bush's invasion of Iraq a storm was brewing in the corridors of power. Bureaucrat Bunatine Bunny Greenhouse, with her meticulous attention to detail, found herself on a collision course with a juggernaut, the Halliburton War Profits Express. Dick Cheney, the vice president, had a storied past with Halliburton. After his tenure as Secretary of Defense under the first Bush administration, he transitioned to lead Halliburton, positioning the company as a major beneficiary of military contracts. Now with the Iraq War on the horizon, Halliburton had its eyes set on a lucrative prize, the $7 billion Restore Iraqi Oil, RIO, contract. Greenhouse, in her testimony at a Democratic Senate hearing, painted a picture of undue influence and overreach. Despite the office of the Secretary of Defense, OSD, delegating the REO contract to the Department of the Army, the OSD's fingers remained firmly on the scales. They exerted control, ensuring that KBR, a Halliburton subsidiary, secured the contract. Greenhouse's objections, particularly concerning the lack of competitive bidding and the unusually long five-year contract duration, fell on deaf ears. In the vast machinery of the U.S. government, 
Bunnatine Bunny Greenhouse was a cog that refused to turn blindly. As the top procurement official at the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, she was the gatekeeper, ensuring that contracts were awarded fairly, transparently, and in the best interests of the nation. But as the winds of war gathered, she found herself facing a corporate behemoth, Halliburton. Halliburton, with its sprawling influence and deep pockets, was securing billions in contracts, and Bunny couldn't help but wonder, why was this Texas Titan, which controlled over half of all rebuilding efforts in Iraq, receiving such preferential treatment? Why were they awarded contracts without the standard competitive bidding? And why were other competent firms sidelined? But Bunny wasn't just a silent observer. She was a force to be reckoned with. Her meticulous notes, her persistent questions, and her unyielding commitment to transparency made her a thorn in the side of those who sought to bypass due process. And for her diligence, she paid a price. Stripped of her influential position, she was cast aside. But Bunny wasn't one to be silenced. Who was this indomitable woman? Bunnatine Greenhouse was more than just a bureaucrat. She was a guardian of ethics in a system that often overlooked them. She was a woman in a male-dominated hierarchy, a black voice in a predominantly white institution. But more than anything, she was fearless. Halliburton and its subsidiary, KBR, might have had the contracts, the money, and the influence, but in Bunny Greenhouse they found an adversary they hadn't counted on. She wasn't just challenging contracts, she was challenging the very system that allowed for backdoor deals and unchecked power. And as the saga unfolded, the world would come to see the true cost of integrity. In the hallowed halls of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, a storm was brewing. Bunnatine Greenhouse, the woman who had been a beacon of transparency and fairness, was about to face the full force of an institution that had seemingly turned against her. The date was October 6, 2004. The setting, the imposing office of Major General Robert Griffin. As Greenhouse walked in, she could sense the weight of the moment. The general's demeanor was cold, his intentions clear. He handed her a letter, a letter that would change the trajectory of her career. She was demoted for poor performance. The irony was palpable. Here was a woman who had consistently received high performance ratings, now being sidelined for doing her job too well. But why? Why was the Army Corps so eager to push through contracts for KBR without the due diligence of competitive bidding? Why was Halliburton? a Texas-Houston-based oil and gas company, receiving special treatment. And what role did Vice President Dick Cheney, a former Halliburton CEO, play in this intricate web of power and influence? As Greenhouse grappled with her demotion, questions swirled. Other companies, like Fleur and Parsons, were equally capable of servicing the military. Why were they not even considered? And as details emerged of KBR's alleged reckless spending and profiteering, the plot thickened. The House Committee on Government Reform, led by the fiery Henry Waxman, delved into the allegations, often met with evasive answers or sheer indifference. But amidst this maelstrom, one thing was clear. Bunnatine Greenhouse would not go down without a fight. Hiring a lawyer, she prepared to battle the very institution she had served with distinction. The stage was set for a showdown... The corridors of power echoed with whispers, murmurs of discontent and tales of corruption. Waxman, with his sharp instincts, had been gathering information, piecing together a narrative that painted a damning picture of KBR. His sources? 
a brave band of whistleblowers, individuals who had seen the rot from the inside. These were the foot soldiers, the ones on the ground, witnessing firsthand the alleged mismanagement and greed that seemed to permeate KBR's operations in Iraq. But while these whistleblowers provided a ground-level view, it was Bunatine Greenhouse who offered a panoramic perspective from the top echelons of power. Her insights painted KBR in a light reminiscent of the corrupt law firm in John Grisham's The Firm, a rogue entity, its leadership allegedly mired in deceit, siphoning off billions from the government's coffers. Greenhouse was privy to the inner workings, the backdoor deals, and the shadowy agreements that led to KBR securing those lucrative contracts. She was the key that could unlock the mystery of how a company could so brazenly exploit the system. On a late evening in Washington, the dimly lit office of Michael Cohn, Greenhouse's lawyer, became the epicenter of this unfolding drama. As Greenhouse, ever the diligent worker, walked in with a stack of documents, one could sense the weight of the revelations they held. Protected by the whistleblower law of 1989, she was a force to be reckoned with, balancing her official duties with her commitment to unearthing the truth. The stage was set, the players were in position, the symphony of whistleblowers led by Greenhouse was about to play a tune that could shake the very foundations of corporate and governmental integrity. Her recounting of events takes us to the beginning, a time when the hallowed halls of the Pentagon, a symbol of America's military might, were abuzz with anticipation. Secure rooms within its labyrinthine corridors were often the birthplaces of covert operations and classified missions. But on February 26, 2003, one such room was the stage for a different kind of operation, one that involved billions of dollars and the future of Iraq's oil. While many people only learned about the procurement controversy because of the audit findings and the arrest of Alex, there's one person who saw this storm brewing long before it made headlines. Greenhouse perceived a deeper game being played, one that extended beyond mere contracts and into the realm of departmental politics and influence. Tune in to part three to hear Bunny's shocking first-hand account of how exactly Halliburton secured the sole rights to the Restore Iraqi oil project. We will find out what really went down in that classified and secret Pentagon meeting in 2003, just weeks before President George H.W. Bush went on live television. On my orders, coalition forces have begun striking selected targets of military importance to undermine Saddam Hussein's ability to wage war. Just who had such deep connections that they were able to influence the bidding process to reward their cronies with billions in contracts? And how far would some go to bury the truth of their role in the scandal? That's next time on part three of the Halliburton Procurement Scandal series. Nichols and Crimes podcast is an SRM Plus production. I am your host, James, signing off. This episode was written and edited by Simba. Until next time.